0: Hello and welcome to Antidote with Rain Lawrence. I'm joined today by Janelva. Janelva's a doula, Reiki master, and intuitive aromatherapist, interesting, working out of Nottingham. Janelva has experienced a few miscarriages and today she's going to share with us the different experiences she's had managing this event via industrial obstetrics in comparison to a more holistic and natural, uh, without mainstream medicine
1: um, option. So welcome Janelva. Val, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. In you're cold so UK. Cold UK while you're in yeah, hot, hot, so it's hot Jamaica. Hot, hot Jamaica. <laughs> it's the end of day
0: for you and it's about midday for me. So if you're flagging and you need to stop, just do let us know. And thanks so much for agreeing to share what can be quite a sensitive topic. I just want to let you know that, you know, if you become emotional or you want to stop or you don't feel like sharing. Anymore, that's absolutely fine. It's not like you've made any commitment. So yeah, just be gentle with yourself you. and yeah, do what you can to protect your energy. Um so we'll start. Your most recent miscarriage
1: was earlier this month, am I right? Or so it was yes, it, it was this month, and it was probably it was very early. So I'd say probably about a week or two after ovulation. Um, and, uh, to give a bit of context to, I, I generally can tell when I'm pregnant, uh, and that is something that I've been able to hone into since becoming a Reiki practitioner. Um, and I had all the symptoms, you know, tiredness and, um, uh, I felt the implantation for instance. Um, and I think a lot of it when it comes to miscarriages is there's a lot that is controlled by our emotions, the mind, not believing, and I think I've had pretty much ten years of trying to conceive. So, I, when I do find out that I'm pregnant, the way I think tends to almost bring this the, the start of a miscarriage, if that makes sense. Um, really and I'm, yeah, and I'm working on that with Reiki, but also with womb, like womb healing
0: fantastic so what struck me there about what you were talking about is is sort of like a definition of pregnancy so what would you so is it basically like the minute that you conceive you start you can feel
1: that energetically yes so it's happening it's happening a number of ways uh so there's this the physical feeling uh so whether it's implantation and you uh, or you or you physically feel tired or Wanting to eat, but I I have probably for the last sort of five years meditated to to conceive, um, and done some really sort of deep diving sort of meditation. So, for instance, uh, I one of my miscarriages, I was fully connected for probably about two, two, two weeks with my my baby. Wow. and there was just a moment where I meditated and I had this girl come up to me and it was like you know it's it <laughs> weird but it was just uh we were it, we were among the stars basically and she just said I'm not ready I'm going and I was like I've got you mm-hmm. held onto her hands and literally I woke up and a few hours later miscarried um and I spent I spent two the two and a half weeks knowing I was pregnant and that was probably the, one of the most recent where it was it was um I got a positive test and we went to the doctors and we were about to go for a scan. Um so we knew, do you know what I mean? We've got we've got mm. the furthest we'd ever got. Um and and actually I was fully committed to it, if that makes sense. I was fully aware, I knew I was positive, but the message I got was just you're not ready I'm not ready and I've got to go um and um yeah and that's that's what happened but I used Reiki for that and that was pretty much uh probably about six months after I started my Reiki level one and my uh my teacher said you know it can it can help you to conceive and it definitely yeah it it helped me to definitely sort of clear um a lot of baggage, you know, a lot a lot of things you think or feel about pregnancy, the way I talk to myself actually about it as well. Mm. Um so yeah, that's that 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 was my most recent. Um okay. and then I, and I, so, I, I, sorry.
0: Sorry, would so um would that be classed as a chemical miscarriage? And can you explain to it, our listeners your understanding of this term? Because that was the first time I come across it actually, a chemical miscarriage.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that, that would be a chemical miscarriage, which I'm gonna be honest with you, I find that really annoying. It's a nice term. I mean it's a pregnancy, <laughs> but it basically happens in the, the first five weeks of pregnancy. Uh, embryos formed, they even say it's embedded in your uterus lining. So implantation has happened. Uh, but they but I think they call it chemical because it's probably not even begun to develop. Um, and they, they, they basically are so early, they're not realized. And for instance, most, I say most, a lot of birthers, they are, they become pregnant and they still drink and they still eat what they want to eat. They still do it. There's just no symptoms. But for me, most of my pregnancies, I've had the symptoms, you know, I felt tired. I felt implantation. Um we might talk about it later but like I used to feel it on a particular side of my body but I realized that that was it was in the wrong location but my body because I'm so connected to it spiritually and intuitively I knew when I was uh so for it to be called chemical almost so it's not a real pregnancy it is it is yeah it's typical of the sort of medical jargon which is really
0: dehumanizing yeah. and depersonalizing you just not peed on a it?
1: stick just not peed on a stick and mm. the h your HCG levels are not high enough for the, for, for, uh, they're not high enough for what they see as pregnancy, basically. Yeah, but, but that's very, pregnancy. just, yeah, it's this
0: whole thing of like, um, what's that word? Not objectifying, but like, there's a, a criteria, everything is, yeah, and not seeing it holistically. Yeah. So it's like, oh, your HCG level isn't high, so you can't be pregnant. Yeah. But that's just one tiny element, yeah. isn't it? yeah so it's making me think about the fact that it's quite almost twofold isn't it when you're a pregnancy so you need to have fertilization occur and you need to have implantation occur and then yeah. that will start the growth yeah. um so do you have you felt so you can feel it as early as the fertilization stage at times or is it always yes. the implantation that I would you say pain?
1: yes I, I can feel, feel yeah. the travel um and uh but definitely the implantation uh but what I realized is that for quite a while um and this last one the implantation happened at the base of my stomach but mm. uh um previous to that and just before the ectopic that I had in May this year I was feeling it on the right hand side so actually every time I was pregnant previously I think my pregnancies were actually implanting in uh my floping tube that I no longer have um and but 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 when you have an ectopic sometimes they you, you miscarry naturally Where the one in May I had that 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 was, was, was slightly different circumstances so yes uh I felt the whole thing and sometimes you question it but you know if you really tune in if you really work with your womb and your body you can uh and I think it was easier for me b- to do because I I was consciously trying to conceive with my ex partner. Uh, where, like I say, some people it just they may want to conceive, but it just happens, and you know, and you're just getting on with your sort of normal day.
0: Yeah, because with the chemical pregnancy, where it's happening very early in gestation, some women wouldn't
1: even like, realise that they're pregnant. And no, because it's before. It's usually it. before. It's it's usually just before a week before, or just as uh just before just at the time that you have your missed period okay basically so it can be about sort of an, uh, uh from that point to about seven weeks basically and seven weeks I think they say six seven weeks they can't always locate where baby is um mm-hmm. so it's
0: fascinating when you speak about your experiences of like actually being visited by this do you use the term soul? Does it feel like a soul has entered it's, and you're communing with that soul?
1: It's an energy um, and there's two ways you connect with it. It's knowing something is actually within you. Anyone that's carried a child just knowing there's a being within you. Um, and there's also when you meditate and everybody has a different outcome when it comes to meditating but for me it really it, and I can't say this happened this this is a, a normal occurrence it was just an experience that I had and with meditation sometimes you kind of it's almost like it was a dream like two weeks later but the day after you know it was real and I essentially had somebody who in my heart was my child and they said they're not ready and I was like baby I've got you and I went to hold them and she just disappeared and then the next day you just link it to that whole experience which was that I just miscarried um Mm. and I was always trying to tune into the sex of the child as well I didn't I wasn't bothered but I always was just like and it was that that particular pregnancy which would which she would have been two years old now um which and we didn't expect it either because we were sort of on the brink of brink but uh, we were just about to go through IVF and it was Two days before I was going to start the IVF process and we found out we were pregnant so like yeah out of all of all of my miscarriages that is just the golden one where it was just we we had a moment mm, um, got connected to her. felt completely connected meditated every day twice a day did Reiki um in uh, once a day as well and when you do that when you do, when you meditate so consistently you're on a different plane you're on a different plane, you're on a vibration because like what we do day by day, is so like low vibrational, when you meditate, it lifts you so you can deal with all of that. But you get back and you become addicted to it. So I'd like leave my partner watching TV and be like, I'm going to go meditate for three hours. So oh it, it just, you know, it, it, I haven't done it for ages, <laughs> once but at that point, I was so connected with my body, so connected with my practice that nothing else, get in the way no drinking you know I didn't go out and see people and it, it wasn't because I was trying to restrict to get my body ready to have a child I just wanted to it was on our desire me, yeah. it and then it was my ass that's it and there's a song in my head there's a there's a garbage song in my head <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: it was <laughs> I know the one um <laughs> yeah. that'll be in the show notes don't worry <laughs> put the DJ set yeah um, yeah, it's really fascinating that you mentioned IVF because I was going I was going to ask about whether you've looked into reproductive technologies and have you struggled with conception with multiple partners? So it's and yes. do you know where the the difficulties are coming
1: from? Is it a semen problem or is it uh, it was so their yeah. semen was fine. I would say it was so it's 10 years. I had two partners within those 10 years, 5 years each. Uh, the first part, I would say we probably weren't doing it at the right time, like when, like before ovulation, we weren't doing that all the time. However, we were together for the five years, three of those we were trying to conceive. So I was put forward for IVF because at some point it's got to take and it wasn't taking at all. I hadn't even got pregnant. I did, yeah, but it yeah. was through okay. persistence. I will say that now. You know, the doctors didn't look at me and say, you know, this is what you need to do. I did my research and realized after three years, uh, maybe I should go down that route. Um, at that time I was sort of mid thirties, like just early to mid thirties. Um, and I'd to be fair, I wasn't as spiritual as I am now. I hadn't really thought about the interventions and it not being natural and organic. It was just like, I wanted to have a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and the process was not brilliant because I also have five when I when we did get to the point of uh, them investigating why I wasn't conceiving, they said I had fibroids. Uh, and uh, I had an operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they removed one of two. Uh, and then there was a period of probably about four months. I didn't really give you any advice about what to do, but I'd say when they remove your fibroids, you've got to get going with having a child because fibroids grow as we, as we uh, every time you have a period, the blood gives that fibroid life. So okay. let's say they removed it and then I might've had four months where I was just doing what I'm doing, just living life. So then the fibroid or another one grew uh, and for my second partner, when it came to the fact that after about a year we couldn't conceive and I was like, look, I've been here before, went back to uh, the hospital in Sheffield and they were like, you've got fibroids again. I'm like, well, sorry, but they removed them. They removed them like two, three years ago. Well, no, you've got mm-hmm. new ones. Just come and to be fair, I'm back here again, you know, I've come out of my, pre- my, my most recent relationship and it really was down to all of, all of this, but that's fine. Uh, and are under the care of Sheffield Hospital again, and they said there is another fibroid, which is now be- there's different locations these fibroids can be. But mine, the one that I have, currently have, which is about a centimetre and a half, is uh top of my uterus, which is like sort of like the golden place, the place that baby. Lights to implant. Uh, okay. so so it's this is what they're the saying.
0: Fertilization's
1: happening. You have an egg, it's, your partner's sperm's mobile and active, but absolutely the, implantation the implantation. Okay. You've got something, some annoying thing, just not allowing it yeah. to kind of take. And also, if you think about it, and like, you know, this is just the, me intuitively chewing into this, this thing holds on blood, it takes blood. And what does like baby need when it attaches to the uterus? It needs that blood, it needs that life force. So if you've got something next to it, let's put this bully, just say no. And mm, it's been it's gonna there. It's going to drain it. It's, drain it. It's, it's not, you know, it's, and uh, yeah, no amount of me having beetroot and whatever else I have to, mm. to keep my uterus uh, supple and ready. But that's not to say having like, fibroids, that's one thing to say you can't conceive. And that's the, thing that, that's the thing that I'm moving forward with now, that if I have this elective surgery again and decide to be as quick as I can with trying to conceive, uh, that's one thing, but I might just have to, I might just have to, I'm ready to try and look at what I'm doing holistically, spiritually, to just mm-hmm. make it happen. Because there's a, of, there's a lot of conditions that women have, birthers have, where they say it's just impossible I know someone's got a heart shaped uterus, couldn't have, can't, you can't get pregnant. She's now got a three year old. Do you know what I mean? Mm, so, yeah, so it
0: could be some sort of psychic or like subconscious blockage that's yes. stopping it rather than something yes. physical.
1: And it's usually that there's a lot of uh, womb therapy, it's all about subconscious, it's all about previous life and our experiences, it's all about ancestors, how we were brought up. It's loads, there's loads
0: it was there a genetic element to it like has your mother or your grandmother had a lot of miscarriages
1: it's a good question it's something that I visited when I uh when I was going through this when I was studying to be a doula, uh they both had ectopic my mum's had my mum had a miscarriage between me and my sister as well which I think she was quite she was she was quite away uh uh in terms of how pregnant she was um and I think that happened to my grandma as well so yes but sometimes I wonder, you know, is this sort of a hereditary thing or is this a almost uh, an experiential thing that we go through as women of colour? Does that make sense? Like, uh, yeah, I'm like an persecuted and legacy. Ancestral mm-hmm. legacy and also the things that we go through and we just we just live our lives day by day. But I haven't given myself enough time to sit back and really focus in on that. But that is what I want to do. In the new year, because I just don't think something like this is hereditary. Because fibroids, in particular, really it's prevalent in women of color, mm-hmm. and they still don't know really why that is. Interesting. Um, so yeah.
0: And did you? So when you were speaking about the idea that your one of your fibroids is in the spot where implantation could occur, did you ever think about, um, or were you ever offered? the like intraveginal IVF or abdominal IVF?
1: Um, yes. Yes. So, so uh, this would be about, gosh, so this would be two years ago. It was all happening that I was going to have IBS, Um. and it would be going through a process, I think two weeks for them to take the egg, to, um, um, to take the egg and fertilise it and then to to do a vaginal implantation, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never happened because I conceived. And then after that, and it was during, it was at the height of sort of pandemic. And I brung to explain I was pregnant and, but I didn't want to be taken off the list. And I was advised to come back to us, you know, come back to us when, you know, because some couples obviously it's a positive thing you keep going um, and then we I, I miscarried literally on Boxing Day so I found out on the 20th December I miscarried on Boxing Day called them and sorry because this uh, context the, the story that's when they said come back to us because some couples want to try and conceive naturally and I said how long they said take your time so we said look we'll take six months um, and then when I when we got back in touch with them after six months because something was happening uh, they were just like oh we've not got you on our books anymore mm. <laughs> we haven't got a record of the conversation right there oh god we haven't yeah. got, and I'm like am I going to stay crazy and I know my partner was sitting next to you and I made this phone call um and to top that off at that point I think about four months after that I had my what they would say is your third miscarriage and your third miscarriage and again through research you can go to the doctors and basically get referred to the miscarriage unit. So they then support you through conception. Which I thought, God, with the IVF and that, I'm set. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they don't, even though they're in the same room, ward, building, they don't work together. So the IVF decided that they needed to discharge me. So two years of getting to where I was with them to be basically referred to the miscarriage unit, um, which I've gone through a series of... Uh, Uh, exams including a balloon being put in my uterus to blow it up to see the makeup of my uterus what's happening um and they've come back and basically said i've got another fibroid uh but now i have to start the process again if that makes sense um
0: god yeah it's typical isn't it we were speaking just before i pressed record about the importance of when you're dealing with authorities and agencies to get like a paper trail almost because yeah if you say something on a phone call or in person they can you know they've got deniability and, there, know, so
1: yeah and you know everything I do paper trail paper trail this mm. one time I thought they were really really looking after my I, two days into it I would have been under their care for months mm. and but for me, I've just realized without, I had to think about how do I not be frustrated? How do I not, how do I, how do I protect my energy and my emotions? And just realise that, you know what, it was during the height of the pandemic, there's so much going on. They were still offering service throughout the pandemic as well. And my phone call, it just wasn't notarized, and the person probably doesn't work there anymore. And it's just, yeah. You know, the typical things that happen uh any service, but especially in uh, the healthcare service. But it means that it, it 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 threw me back, you know, however many years. Uh, Such a shame. So, I was really sorry about yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Um have you looked at well, two things actually, um surrogacy or um whether you do you know if you're a new if you're a red mooner or a white mooner, I can never remember which is which but it does have a,
1: an impact on how fertile you are okay so red moon white moon haven't heard about that so please tell me okay. about that. I'm just I'm just on google <laughs> hang on I need an assistant to get all this in my head um, and surrogacy um I'm giving myself another two years. And yes, I have thought about all of that. I have thought about, um, I, I would be absolutely happy, sorry to see uh, adoption, fostering. I've always been like that. And actually that is something, when I was probably in my late teens, I had quite a few friends that got pregnant. And it was, you know, we were scared. We were told by a parents, don't do it. Oh, my, I was told by my mother, do not get pregnant. And I used to at that point say, I'm never going to be pregnant. I, mm. I I'll be happy to foster and adopt. And I hold on to that because that is how I spoke to myself then. Mm. It's almost like, you know, when you talk to your higher self, I'd already spoken to my 40 year old self as a teenager, fearful of not being in the situation that my friends were in. So I don't know if White Mood or Red Mood <laughs> at that, but I, I believe that that's what I'm trying to break, that I created. Almost yeah, that makes sense. In terms of child, yes. child, childbirth, mm. um, surrogacy and everything else, I've never been opposed to it. I'm always for it, but I've almost given myself. I'm now forty-one um and I've given myself a few more years and not because there's like their shelf life of you know where because ge- I am geriatric pregnancy I was told that as well but not cheer. the g word Janelva not the g I word. can't believe yeah, it no, I can't believe it. Are, I've it I've <laughs> got it I've got it it's so much safety like these trigger trigger terms, which is just like what's wrong with you like I'm too if I if it was two years ago I'd be called cool. I mean I'm now in this basket of geriatric and it's like actually what is geriatric I'm a very fit but regardless of whether you go to the gym and all this stuff it's just a term that almost dampens it, it puts pressure on what you're doing and if you're able mm-hmm. to do it in the right way yeah um but yeah sorry because I've digressed I the problem was the partners I was with they didn't want to oh, do that not for no think. the first person my first partner just I think I was too young to even consider it with him I presented it to him but it was just like no we'll keep going second you know he's a bit older than me but he's just like even IVF for him was weird he's just like this is like mm. just not natural I'm like it's not natural yeah. no but it's potentially the only way we've got and when we got over that uh when I talked to him about surrogacy it's just like well, it's not going to be my child and actually he didn't want to adopt for foster which is not okay. the reason that we broke a relationship broke down but I just felt like I just needed to be with somebody hard because it's like I don't know I just need somebody that would look at all the options that you you had
0: if you mm-hmm. didn't have
1: any but it the like yeah must I, I had really to appreciate difficult. where he's coming from of course just, yeah um
0: everybody has their own perspective on it and I'm kind of because I haven't had to really tie my I don't know what the term is but I haven't really had to choose one whether I feel okay with it or not but I do feel like I worked in a a fertility treatment clinic for a couple weeks as part of my training Um, Mm. and there was something that didn't sit very well with me but then I haven't had trouble conceiving so you know mm. it's very easy very easy for somebody who hasn't struggled to get pregnant to say oh it's unnatural and it shouldn't be not having that lived experience of the desire the strong desire to be a mother and not being able to do that without assistance so yeah I'm I'm kind of very open to whatever however I'm open
1: feel. I'm very practical about it and um, you know this is why I became a doula as well you know it was I wanted one but and I was like actually I would love to support people like me because I haven't had that mm. I have uh I've worked through it very well I have my crap days but I have days where I'm just like all I want to do is is to not say not to pass on my experiences because I would never do that really and this is probably one of the first times that I've spoken about what I've been go, going through mm. almost sort of yeah. said I almost I didn't want to put it on my profile page um but at the same time what I've what I've been through over the last six months I definitely want to offer that as a service as well you know so to support people that are trying to conceive have conceived and also those that have found that you know pregnancy just hasn't it yeah it hasn't gone the way they've wanted it to go to support them Mm -hmm. To get pregnant, and uh, you know, next time, so
0: yeah, I think that's really important work because I mean, the NHS and mainstream maternity care isn't doing a lot of things right, but certainly when it comes to losses and bereavement, I think that's an area that's really yeah, you,
1: you get popped out the door, the same door you came in, you yeah, you get a leaflet anymore.
0: Sometimes there's not even a specific room for you so you're there with all the new mums
1: oh I've got stories I can
0: tell you I've got stories yeah so coming on to that so some healers think about abortions in a sort of paradigmatic way of like that on the one hand there's medical or physical abortions which are managed via like procedures or administration of drugs and then on the other side, there's like the psychic abortion, uh, whereby the pregnancies, which sounds like you've got more experience with uh, pregnancies terminated via like sort of sp- psycho-spiritual commune with the soul or the fetus. Um, do you do you feel that that's a correct dichotomy to have, and do you feel that you can have both, or that one's preferable, or you know, yeah, what do you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I had both. Uh, I think uh, the preferable one is the one where you've got the control over it. I wouldn't even say control, but it's just a natural, organic uh, uh, episode or happening. Um, I, like I said before, I knew I was pregnant and I also knew when the miscarriage came. And I think I've I've definitely, I know I've had two where I didn't even need to have the positive pregnancy test. I just knew the makeup of the miscarriage. I, I just knew what had happened. Mm. My first one, actually, I didn't know. Gosh, this was in my 20s. And I must have been about three months. I just didn't know. And I've gone to a party, very really tired, came back home, and I miscarried for two days. And it was so bad. I had to cook on my knees. <laughs> I can't don't I remember how I did it but oh. I had to cook food and I was living with two uh two flatmates who we were both away mm. and it, it took two days so it, luckily it like the process what my body was going through in the evening it gave way and I slept and then at nine o'clock I got woken up and then I had to without going into such detail but sitting on the toilet passed and I was just like what is that and you know went through the process of looking researching and one of my flatmates came back and exactly the same thing had happened to one of her friends um and what that was actually was a very very spiritual miscarriage because I was with somebody that was would have been a partner for life uh, but I knew in myself that he wouldn't have wanted to be pregnant. And I remember he was away with dad, and when he came back, he thought "I wouldn't want that child anyway." And I couldn't. I mean, we split quite soon after because I just thought his reaction wasn't "How are you?" Because it was dire. Mm. And I think about it, I'll never forget the experience. And it was the cooking on my knees. I couldn't even stand up. I was, and I didn't even think. Weirdly, I didn't think to call, like to to, to call nine nine nine. I felt mm. in control. I felt like it just, and it, it did feel like I was giving birth to something. Mm-hmm. I can't explain it because I've never, I it's never happened to me. But it, I, it, it did feel like that. But there was no point where I was like, I don't feel in control of my body and what I'm doing. Does that make sense? This is before. Yeah. It was years before I even like connected with my my, my body spiritually and then and, and just you know got to what i would yeah what i would see is now a spiritual ginova um, yeah, i guess it's similar to
0: yeah birth and pregnancy in that sense whereby it happens naturally and beautifully and it works when it's undisturbed so i guess a miscarriage should be the same and can be the same in certain circumstances but i guess the fact that it is um you know i, I hate the word failure but you know it's it's almost um oh, what's the word pathological in that mm. it's a pregnancy that doesn't get to a labor and mm. the delivery of a of an infant so I guess it would always it's always dragged into that obstetric idea because mm. it's not normal it's not what we were expecting or desiring mm.
1: um
0: so have you so you, I assume you've experienced both industrial obstetric care during a miscarriage and in perfectly alone independent care like this one you mentioned mm. and have you ever had like professional care for a miscarriage that isn't wasn't mainstream and that was more like doula care
1: Yeah um, so I haven't had doula care but I've but my topic in May that involved being in the hospital uh, being under the care of the hospital uh, and I would say the care was 50-50, and I had to take a drug uh, to abort it after probably about four weeks, three three weeks of of hoping that it may have been a misdiagnosed ectopic, uh, which is always a possibility, um, and I had to take methotrexate, which is an anti-cancer drug, but it also plummets, plummets, your cancer reducing drug, it plummets your folic acid as well so once you've Mm -hmm. taken it there's like a three or four month period where you just should not conceive because they've there's there's reports of obviously uh baby not developing in the right way um Mm -hmm. a lot of it is protection which is one of the yeah i'm going to say this one of the gps said to me you can get pregnant tomorrow but it just protects the hospital that we say three months because this you know after obviously uh go through this process and being told I've got to wait three months, three to four months to, to then try and conceive and then be careful. So to wait even longer, I think somebody, one of the nurses said six months. I'm just mm. like, no, I can't wait six months. I've got that like, time. And, but one of the, one of the, uh, the GP did say, it really is just to cover
0: themselves if you did conceive yeah. and there were, um, yeah. I guess it yeah. would be like abnormalities yeah. from that. Yeah. Like, yeah exactly Exactly. say well we told you not to get pregnant so soon
1: exactly and i would say that's the process i went through the 50 50 was they were supportive but everything they gave you the information they gave you they gave it for you to make a decision i questioned everything you know i asked if i could have an elective elective surgery uh because the point was that they could not see uh the pregnancy uh and they they basically said that it wasn't a, what do they call it? This is not a real pregnancy. Um and but at the same time, they did not want to go forward for an elective for elective surgery. Uh, they would rather do the surgery if it was an emergency, which it turned out to be. Because methotrexate I think it's something like the 70% chance when you have the first injection it works. And I think you can have up to two. Um, so the first week I had. Uh, the first lot I had it was about a week, and they checked my they kept an eye on my HCG levels. So I went pretty much every other day for blood tests. And oh, okay, then, so you were at home for a large part of it. I was at home. Yes, yeah, so I yes, yeah, so I wasn't in the hospital. I was I was the outpatient. Sorry, mm-hmm. an outpatient, uh, which most people, unless unless you're in really like, because I wasn't in any pain as well. I felt. Okay. Uh, there was an ache on my side, my right side, but I just thought just implantation, it's baby growing. But that was mm-hmm. essentially pregnancy, a baby was growing in my fallopian tube. Uh, and and how many weeks was this? Was it quite an early? I was, yeah, I was six and a half weeks uh, when I just started to, to, to bleed a bit and then I had a really good nurse who just like with your history, we're gonna send you straight to the hospital, which which doesn't always happen a lot of people I tell you there's there's a really good misdiagnosed ectopic pregnancy Facebook page which was like my my go-to and it was such an amazing community and there are some ectopics that actually do become they are they end up being true real pregnancies it's just they cannot see the baby or some miraculous reason baby moves Uh, baby can be in completely different places as well and implants uh in completely different places uh apart from the uterus and so i was hoping i was holding on to that mm-hmm. um and i've completely digressed what they're saying <laughs>
0: Um, So this was about the methotrexate
1: and being an outpatient. Yeah, so it was, sorry, it was, it was being an outpatient, but I had to basically go and I was living 40 minutes from the hospital. So I had to go every other day, hadn't told work, didn't want work to know what was going on. And that was probably about two, two weeks. And then I went back second week and they were just like, it's not, your HCG levels, are actually still going up, but they were still low enough for them to say it wasn't a true pregnancy. Essentially, I was still pregnant. It just wasn't based on the, the weeks it w- didn't match what the you know, criteria was of H- yeah. the, the HGG level. So they then said, do you want to, and it's the way they worded, it, it's like, do you want to take another shot of me say it's not, we think you should. It's not your life is in danger because of this. It's not, You know, these are the, the statistics we have of women. There was absolutely nothing they could give me to say, this is the right decision. I had to make the decision for myself and holistically, it just didn't sit well with me at all. To take the I actually, one. it didn't sit well with me, mm. but, and I also didn't feel like, you know, some people I might think they are worried about losing their life because the next step was that I would eru- uh, rupture, sorry, rupt- <laughs> rupture and that, that's that's very life-threatening, internal bleeding, They can't always catch it um and i just i think at that point i'd probably been going to hospital for about two and a half weeks every other day 40 minute drive partner was working so sometimes i had to do it myself there was one day i was in the hospital uh for about six hours and there was a woman that i think was rupturing they left her in a a, a, a wheelchair uh they, didn't, they just left her to for someone to see her but there was no one about and she was in absolute agony so when you talk about being in a space where there are women that uh, or birth people that have had babies or pregnant I saw it all you know I was mm. sitting in a waiting room with pregnant people partners knowing that I was losing mine and but the, the most harrowing was this woman and the crying and I had to actually get up and say I'm sorry but she's in absolute agony and because she was crying so much they put her into one of the side rooms <laughs> just oh to gosh. So they didn't actually yeah, so leave didn't her in any way. They just put her. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I took the second um, and then, and that didn't work. Uh, I was in pain a week later. I thought it was just normal. But my energetically... Were you passing
0: anything during
1: this? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. It all no. started. I, I I bled very lightly at six and a half weeks and nothing else I had a little bit of an ache on my right hand side uh where the pregnancy was where baby was and but I wasn't any pain it was a second methotrexate where and it hadn't even worked because they said you might be in pain and that's why I just took the pain but there was a day the second day I was just like this doesn't feel right and I took myself my, I had my partner to take me into the hospital um and they they scanned me uh, and I asked them a day before if they would scan me because I just, I just, there was something didn't feel right and they wouldn't. Mm. But this time around they did. It's almost like I walked in again a day later. Do you know what I mean? I'd already said to them, it was like red flags, I don't feel right. And they had been there for these five hours, seeing all this stuff. And actually, I think what happened is I ended up leaving because I was there for so long. I'd got to the end of my tether. Does that make sense? Mm, so I just yeah, left. If- The next day, you know, hindsight's a wicked thing, but I was just like, right, I've got to go back because I left, and I shouldn't have left, but six hours I need to eat. And uh, basically I had a slow rupture. And the doctor, its about five o'clock in the afternoon evening. the doctor was just like, look, we've got a team and it's a slow rupture, which means we can see what we're doing because most people, when it comes to rupture, it's like- Gushing. They've got to go fast, gushing. Mm. and so i was very very lucky uh but yeah i had to have uh, the operation um, okay so
0: is that laparoscopy so you, Did you lose you so you lost that tube
1: mm-hmm. they try and save it if they can but mm. i had said to them i want them to remove it because most of my pregnancies before that if not all of them i felt it in my right side so wow. intuitively I realized that actually I've always been having ectopic pregnancies, but the ectopic pregnancies can naturally miscarry as well as having this medical intervention. So Mm. I've never heard of
0: methotrexate. That's, that's really interesting because yeah, I've heard of like misoprostol and those ones that are more acting on hormones, but this is Mm. about folic acid. So it's a cancer mm-hmm. treatment that they're repurposing and do, is it primarily used for ectopics as opposed yes. to just miscarriage just to yeah. induce miscarriage yeah. Or yeah
1: yeah and there's there's a particular dose so obviously the dose you have if you have cancer is mm-hmm. yeah it's very mild but the the, the 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 main side effect is that it completely reduces your folic acid um uh well they say that but so,
0: so did they say that, that that a slow rupture could happen with Mesotrexate, or was that shocking to them, shocking to you? Or is it quite a common occurrence?
1: The, the, what they said was Mesotrexate has like an 80, 90% chance. You know, they gave me percentages of how 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 well it works, but there's and there's this small percentage. They, they focused on the small percentage. So you obviously, psychologically, you decide that, okay, this is going to work. Mm. Um, and yeah, what they said just didn't happen. I had to have not one, but two shots of it. You know, I did my research in terms of what the shots were and what, what happens, you know, what is being put into my body. It just didn't feel right at all. It was awful, absolutely awful. Uh, and I was really frustrated in myself. If I'm honest with you, that I had it once, but then I had it twice. And in the original case, I, mm, I, guess I like said. When you've started, you kind of are on that you, train You're on that now, train. You? you are mm. literally. Yes, thank you. You're on that train. And it's not that you don't care, but I was like done. I was exhausted. I was still going to work as well. I only told them, uh, one of my colleagues at work, I think about four days before the rupture. Mm -hmm. Um and I've been going through it for about three and a half weeks. Going to meetings and you know not yeah acting normal, but keeping it together actually Mm -hmm. because you know your emotions are there. You're trying to be strong. Partner was strong enough, but he was you know concerned, worried. And I think it's when it's happening to you, you can't explain it to a person. Do you know what I mean? Like when I needed to when the emotions got too much when I actually became really vulnerable and that was sort of after it like after the operation I just yeah that's when I realized the extent of what I was going through and what I was told and I don't think the care was terrible I just don't think they gave enough there wasn't enough support to make a decision I had to literally literally consult my tarot roll the dice type thing about Mm. the decision I would make you know literally wow, yeah. focused on my holistic practices to actually help me come to a decision um connect with with pregnancy as well because I tell you again I think the pregnancy I think the baby was a boy <laughs> a strong boy <laughs> as in you know nothing no drug is going to stop me from growing but it was just not in, in the, wrong the right place, place. Oh, yeah i break
0: yeah so you did that was obviously a very medicalized um experience that time Uber, um Uber, did you yeah still have some kind of psychic communication or resolution? Or was it all just like medical terminology and knowing via medical mm,
1: procedures, question. whether it was finished or not? Um, I mean, medically, uh, HCG levels went down, the pain stopped, obviously they removed pregnancy. I didn't connect with this pregnancy as much as I did with my previous one at the time um it was more so it was throbbing, it was like it, it, I don't know it, it it wasn't pain it was like someone telling me I'm there if that makes sense
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so there was a connection because there was a real willing for this to be I just even knowing it was almost believing not believing almost realizing where it was I remember my mom saying to me Oh, you know, I've heard that they can grab me in the fallopian tube, but miraculously move to the uterus. So I spent a week working on my body to try and get it to move in mm. to the right location. And this that Facebook group I was telling you about, um, there were stories of that, or do you know what I mean? Stories of yeah, it being, there's always a chance it, them there? taking me to trexate as well. But some some births actually having being pregnant with twins. And the twins are in two completely different locations, mm. or with methotrexate, if you're pregnant with twins, because state will only usually work in aborting one of those pregnancies, so you can find that you're pregnant, and people have gone to have very healthy children, but obviously it needs to be monitored if that if that is the case. So these are the yeah. things that I was holding on to. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, so no. I didn't really connect but one of the things that we decided to do is uh when they got rid of the floating treatment pregnancy I had said to the hospital you get rid of it but the the moment I woke up I actually did reiki on myself and it was one of the most powerful uh powerful reiki sessions I've done on myself because I felt the energy flood through me like completely heal me like you've gone through you know I've gone through such a um intrusive uh operation but also something that's actually taken apart my body mm. um and something came me just said now i've got to stop them from just getting rid of the pregnancy so i actually have elected to do that myself so i now have pregnancy and baby in a box and oh, interesting i'm okay. going to i I'm, and that's an option that you have um and i'm going to 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 figure out still kind of figure that out a uh, spiritual sort of ceremony to almost like mm. what you would do That's with a center to say goodbye and to, mm. to bless it and I just thought there's something about my part of my body just being burnt by the hospital where actually I need to yeah. figure out where that goes you know and there was another uh, there was a podcast I listened to God about a year ago where every pregnancy like part of the baby when we when give birth or you miscarry part of the DNA for that child stays with you so there was just mm-hmm. something from where I just have got to keep the control yes,
0: that's very true yeah I've heard that it can stay for like 18 years but I don't know if that's if they if it goes to term and results in a live birth actually yeah you'd have a lot of insane dna floating around in you've <laughs> got every
1: child every child there's an imprint there, there's a a yeah footprint mm. wow so you've had
0: you've told us a, quite a lot about the very medicalized version mm. um would you care to tell us more about the the less medical versions and the difference and what made you, like, were you frightened to opt out and do it alone? Or was it very clear that this was actually doable and it would result in, you know, you wouldn't be harmed?
1: I think I'd probably have to go back to the most earliest one because I just didn't know what that was. But I, uh, I I, didn't know what I was experiencing when I was having that miscarriage. Like, two days, I was bleeding a lot. And uh, like I say, I couldn't, I I couldn't walk. I was crawling along the floor, um, and I just knew, I don't know. It was almost, it was completely intuitive. I knew when I needed to eat. I knew when I needed to drink. I didn't know I was having, a mis- I just, in my family, my mom and my grandmother have had hysterectomies because they've just had really bad uh, periods so I just and it was at a similar age to me sort of mid-20s so I just thought this was the start of that so I just I just held on to my strength uh and uh my intuition and knowing and just listening to my body and like I say it was like birthing because it just stopped there was literally a moment at nine o'clock the first night and I'd gone through it and just got home from my friend's party at about midday and it was and I was literally doing the I was like I was it all I can't explain it to you but <laughs> I started breathing in pattern with what I, what you would call surges if you're get you're giving birth yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I, and I was able to calm myself down, uh, obviously cook the food, eat the food. And through that, the, the pain subsided. And then after I'd eaten it, kicked up nine o'clock, it stopped, I went to sleep and I couldn't believe it. Like nine, ten o'clock the next day started again. And I sat on the toilet, and almost similar to when you give birth, sometimes you sit on the toilet to get your body into a particular position. I did that and I did that for probably about two hours. And then when I saw what I saw, it was like, okay, this is a bit weird. And you know what, that miscarriage, I was giving birth, I was giving birth, wasn't I? Basically. Yeah, and what was really sad is I took it out, remember this. Uh, didn't know what I, what the hell I was looking at to then flush it. I remember that, it took me a while. And then about an hour later, uh, one of my flatmates came and just said, yeah, I think you've had a miscarriage. Uh, and I think if she'd have come an hour or two before, it would have been a completely different story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't it's even like, know. I don't even. Yeah. I'd say I was three months, but I could have been even further gone. I was just. Yeah. But. Similar
0: to birth, it's like you needed and deserved somebody there who is a professional in that they understand what's going on and they mm. are knowledgeable but isn't a professional in that they're going to like want to me- medicalize you and micromanage it um and yeah similar to birth it's like we ought to be training or well, not training just every everybody should have educating. some understanding and knowledge of this how this can happen and what you can yeah. do to support a woman when it is happening yeah I-, I cook for her rather than make her cook on her knees <laughs> yeah
1: exactly
0: bless you um I have never done it but I'm told that you can order like certain drugs misoprostol particularly online certainly in America were you ever tempted to just like acquire what you needed or even try natural versions of of those drugs and just self-administer and complete the procedure um like at home or in the place of your choosing
1: no, do you think that should
0: be an option
1: or more accessible for people? Mm. Look, it's a hard one. It's a really hard one. I think it, it really does depend on a person's circumstances. I think uh, it's a beautiful thing to bring life into this world, but I think circumstances can mean that you're just not in a position to do that. Um. If it was me, no. But I have experiences of clients and friends where they have chosen to 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 go with sort of medical intervention to to approach a, a clinic to use it. Ordering it online, I think it gives a little bit too much. It becomes a little bit too much available. It, it comes too available to people if they decide that they've made the wrong decision mm, I see what you mean it's kind so of it gives um, the barriers power, to entry are too low freedom, and might... but the barrier mm. is your GP is the is a, is a professional in the like mm. putting my fingers up but it's somebody mm-hmm. to ask you to consult with you to say are you sure you're making the right decision um you know I have a sibling who's pregnant very young age and you know everyone was like no you shouldn't have a child wanted it and then later down the line literally a few months and she was quite far gone she was just like I'm gonna I've got to do it but she made the decision so that made sense and she had time mm. to think about it, it was a little bit later than she would have wanted to it, it's that's a really hard question because your question is, should it be available online for people to just order it like you're ordering something off Amazon? Then I don't think Mm -hmm. so. I do think you need to have support of a doula of somebody that is holistically, intuitively connected, able to to help you sort of deep dive into why you're going to do this. Mm. Um yeah. And that the be a nurse incredible. or a doctor as well. But I think there just just needs to be a something in the way of the decision.
0: Yeah, just to give you pause to
1: reflect and yeah. yeah
0: make the right yeah. choice for
1: you. Because that sibling so, I talk about there's regret there's regret mm, from that decision. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Now yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's not really it's not so much on a on a health or potential for harm of taking the drug unsupervised but it's more that the decision to to take the drug
1: yeah you you just need some somebody to talk to But mm. I think about the methotrexy, I didn't have anyone do you know what I mean I had myself knowing because of of my experience because of being a dealer, I, I was able to research or, you know, do you know what I mean? Or talk to the, get be be a part of the right groups. But there's a lot of people that wouldn't been able to do that. They'd have mm. just been like, okay, I trust you. I'm going to take it. I didn't yeah. take the drug because they told me to. I took the drug because I thought it through and I decided that this was the option. It wasn't the option I wanted, but it was the option that I needed to to move forward. Mm. To not have to go in every other day and take blood tests and. Do you know what I mean see I yeah. it's like come like enough is enough i have to sure hmm. oh thank you so much um it's been a
0: great <laughs> chat i would like to just um i was looking at the red mooner and white mooner wasn't i and i didn't yeah. really get around to explaining that so let me do that before we say goodbye I'll try and get it right as well cuz it always confuses me so you well, you can be you can have your cycle anytime in the moon phases but often a woman is either a red mooner or a new mooner uh, or a white mooner so the white moon cycle is when you menstruate hang on try and get it right <laughs> yeah so a white moon is when you menstruate with the new moon so we recently had a did we just have new moon interesting
1: or new moon? We
0: yeah, uh, We just had new moon. No, we just had full moon, didn't we? So mm, um. New
1: moon's coming.
0: Yeah. So the next next new moon is going to be in Capricorn on the 23rd of December. So if you happen to menstruate then, you're what's called a white moon cycler. I'm just And about they to are a cycle.
1: <laughs> yeah, have a little look.
0: They 25th, are 25th, more... 25th. Okay, so you're a white moon cycler we have
1: it here all right I'm writing it down yeah <laughs>
0: right. um, whereas somebody who has their period at the full moon is what's called a red moon cycler and so the white moon cycler is more to do with hang on yeah more to do with fertility and childbearing whereas the red moon cyclers are more to do with like the collective and Kind of mothering the world as opposed to mothering one individual infant.
1: So, Interesting. Yeah. Right, I'm going to do my research
0: on that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And but obviously, yeah, you may just fall randomly in the middle of the, in the middle. Cycle, in moon cycle yeah. and not be either of those. But yeah, it sounds mm, like you might you be a that. night mooner. You're welcome, and thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I hope it wasn't too upsetting to to relive it all and just be gentle with yourself this afternoon or this evening. Thank you. you.
1: It's been super cathartic actually oh we good actually just
0: thought.
1: yeah i that? think we we
0: are much stronger than maybe we're given credit for and actually you know death is a part of life isn't it and loss is a part yes. of life so we can't be too upset because we have so much that's wonderful and that we're thankful for so yeah yeah i hope you feel that all thank right janelle
1: thank you so much Talk soon. take care Bye. bye bye